Van Hagar playing us in. Some may put it up there as one of the biggest mistakes in rock. Some may not. We'll see what happens. Welcome to episode 20, Twisted Lister. I'm Scott, as always, joined by Todd and Harrison, always counting down some list of music things that we care about. We hope you do, too. Today, counting down the top musical missteps. Should be an interesting show. Guys, how are you doing? Doing well. Good. I'm good. 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 I'm excited about this show. I think it's number a, 20. It's a little bit of a change up. It's number 20, and we're changing it up a little. We've never done anything quite like this. We're usually talking about superlatives <laughs> in a good way, the best of, the greatest. This is, I guess, yeah, it's it's a little different. I, I've wanted to do something like this for a while. This is, I'm sure, one of the first of many snarky trash talking shows we'll do in the course of this uh, podcast. But, but I mean, that's you true. know, the podcast is on the <laughs> internet, and what was the internet created for? Snark and bile. Yeah, and, you know that kind of that kind of material. So this is perfect. That, it's a matter of time. That's true. Vice, Vice, and Pitchfork should be very proud of us on this uh, right. with this with this podcast. Today. And I'll admit, I read some Pitchfork reviews in my research for this week's show. Cool. Nice. So scathing you, Pitchfork reviews. As as always, you can find out more about the show at twistedlistpod.com. And uh, I, I think without any further ado, we're ready to get into this countdown. This is gonna be fun stuff. So Harrison, do you wanna you wanna kick us off? Certainly. Um, I'll, I'll start. Now, I, as always, I think this is one of those, when we give out the topic to ourselves, we each go and interpret it our own way. And I went kind of, my way was thinking about, um, you know, what, what bands or, or musicians have done to kind of um, put uh, speed bumps in their own career. I've talked in the past about the Killer Samstown album, which I thought was one of the biggest musical missteps ever. So I left it off the list for this week as far as... Um, that's concerned, but I'll I'll just kick it right <laughs> off with my honorable mention. Never honorable mention. Had to mention it. Yeah, yeah it was a, it's all, it was definitely on my uh, Sam's, very short But Samstown has legitimate hits. That's, and it has some good stuff. It's ridic- but, but, Harrison, it's, putting it's, it as an honorable mention, a musical misstep. Wait till you hear yeah. the audience. Wait till the audience hears the rest of these. You're putting it up there with not to get. <laughs> I'm sure it's not a surprise that Chris Gaines makes some lists here on this show. Mm. You're putting it up there with that. It's completely unfair, Harrison. No, okay. and I'm not going to stand for that. I let you off the hook way too easy. The show when you mentioned <laughs> Sam's Town as because we had a show where we talked about the biggest letdown. What did we? What, how did it make it? Oh, the, the biggest bands that yeah bands, bands that never made it bands that never made it and you mentioned no, the killers. bands that didn't get there that was the, ti- the title of that show Not that was harrison's there. title for the show <laughs> yeah i don't know man all right go Sa- sam's right. town Dude. Okay, let's let's just move on from sam's town okay I was, that's why it was it not list. on the list Jeez, Scott. Well, I, all right. So my number five. Litigated that, right? Yeah. My number five <laughs> musical misstep was Kiss taking off their makeup. That's that's where I start my list, which I think we can all talk about. You know, Kiss, the Kiss Army. You know, Detroit Rock City. How big they were in the '70s as kind of this heavy metal party band. They had a huge following, but it was, if you actually listen to music, the music's really pretty basic and not not great as not musicianly if you if you will it's just kind of party rock and part i mean what they found out once they took the makeup off was that their look and their mystique was like 95% of the the act uh, and I say that because their audience sizes dropped by about 95% when they took off the makeup. <laughs> I, I think mean, that's th- a good choice for kicking things off, just because I think the theme of at least some of my picks also, it's like a, an artist or a band kind of forgetting maybe why people like them so much or why their fans connected to them. So exactly. I think that's, I think that's, you know, and that's a, the Kiss is, is a great example probably. Is, is good and, and they used to talk about how, like, 
you know, Kiss tribute bands could sell out shows the same night Kiss was playing in the same town. Really? And they'd be play- yeah, and they'd be playing to smaller, smaller gigs. Um, and Kiss wouldn't sell out. And Kiss wouldn't sell You know, Ace really talked about, uh, you know, yeah, boy, it really is fantastic to go and play clubs again after doing an arena, you know, being an arena band, except horrible. Right. You know, so. <laughs> except he couldn't feed his coke habit on, the, on Ex- playing clubs. So. Exactly. Um <laughs> So I think and obviously they learned their lesson. They put the makeup back on and they went back to I think almost an e- equal level of nostalgic success. You know, many years later, and unfortunately they still continue to perform. So <laughs> that, that was very that was a very pitchforky type of comment. Wow, unfortunately, <laughs> wow, we just lost all of our Kiss Army listeners. Oh, all the Kiss go. Army's gone. I'm yeah. sorry. I love the, the I guess, Kiss. I, Kiss has its yeah. place. It does. It does have its place. It, it does, does have, have its place. place. Yeah, we, we, yeah. It, it, I think it does. I think Kiss yeah. has its place. Yeah. Oh, Kiss in general, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Talked yeah. About I'm not going to turn off a Kiss. There's no Kiss song I'm going to turn off. No, it's never going to happen. Right. It's amazing how yeah. many uh, artists, we talked about this before, but how many artists of like of the 90s, even today, but certainly artists of the 90s who said, claimed they cited Kiss as one of their biggest influences. I mean, no, I mean absolutely. But I, there's also a time for hanging up the, uh, the uh, platform boots. <laughs> And going and not subjecting us to reality don't, TV don't, about it. Don't don't tell me I have to hang up my platform boots. Don't tell me that. that <laughs> Never um, say that. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. All right. Number four, I have um, Todd Gelfeld breaks up the Marshall Plan to pursue a solo career. Oh, oh. dagger! After firing our second drummer, the first one who you know. Has not been seen back in the D.C. area since, Todd. Oh, he, hey, he was almost a part of today's show. We I know. Daddy we'll is not surprised he, he agreed to that. I guess he still, still holds some sort of really sick sway over him. Not <laughs> hey, he, he, had a Marshall plan in, those years. he had a Marshall Plan dream recently. So <laughs> the, that, the dream is is almost literally a lie. Or so the horror being berated by you because he missed a beat. I remember. It was torture. Oh, we all yes. got That's right. I was a dictator. <laughs> when the, but was it like when Graham Nash and behind the music when he said, "And when the pipe hit the floor, that was when we knew he had a problem. <laughs> that was when we had to stop. He stopped playing. Right? He, he, stopped, he playing. stopped playing, and the pipe hit the floor, and we knew yeah. we had to. There was an issue there. Yes, oh, it's I, a great story of the crack pipe on the vibrating amp, and when the pipe finally was about to you know, tip over. David Crosby. Know, I think David Crosby stopped playing, and that's when Graham Nash <laughs> knew there was a problem. Not when, there wasn't not, anything else that happened. Not, not when. That, yeah, that's what's great story. about rock and roll. It's not when crack is brought into the workplace. That's not an issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no big deal. It's when it starts affecting the recording process. That's the problem. All right. So my, my real number four is uh, the Metallica Napster suing their fans uh, disaster. I mean, Metallica was in a position at that point already being kind of, you know, divvied up as sellouts for having cut their hair and um, and not, you know, playing kind of, I don't know, softer. Was that? That was after a load. It was after a load and reload, yeah. Yeah. Reload so, was in 98, and then the Napster thing happened in 2000, na- I think. Yeah, 99, 2000. So... That, I mean, they were already getting kind of hammered for being sellouts, and then to sue your fans over wanting to listen to your music and talk about just ultimate short-sightedness about what was coming. I think they weren't the only ones, obviously. Other people 
got into yeah, the but they kind of became the, the torchbearers. The, they got me kicked off of Napster. I remember. I don't forget this stuff. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. just because you had to stop downloading OAR, life is still going okay <laughs> for you. But uh, you know, no, I, 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 I'm glad you brought this up. This is an interesting, interesting misstep. The Napster thing. I mean, you could argue that's the biggest misstep of the music industry in the last 15 years. But obviously, there's the there's the famous, uh, a semi-famous clip on YouTube now with with Lars and Chuck D, and it's on the Charlie Rose show. And it's from 2000. And, you know, Chuck obviously gets it right. Lars, as you said, they, they got it completely wrong. This is a really this is legitimately an interesting thing. I mean, this is obviously very different than the kiss no makeup thing like this is this is legit. You're right. This that, that was a big misstep. And really, the whole music industry did it. And here's here's Lars talking about it. And I'm sure we're going to look back at this and say that he got it completely wrong. But this is him talking about the, the issue that was happening with Napster when he was on Charlie Rose in 2000. Anything that comes through the internet, through my computer, my computer is mine to own, and I have the right to it. And that type of train of thought, I think, is very, very dangerous. It does not just affect musicians. It affects anybody who creates any type of original uh, work, and that is something that really has to be dealt with. Okay, Lars, we'll deal with that. But you had an opportunity to make a lot of money and share music with a lot of people. The interesting thing is moving forward, they signed an exclusive deal with Spotify, obviously learning their, or maybe it's not exclusive, <laughs> but they, right. they did sign a deal with Spotify to distribute their content. It, it, man, I mean, really interesting stuff there, though. And, and um, anybody who hasn't seen the movie... I think it's called Downloaded, and it was directed or produced by, uh, I think his name is Alex Winter. He was uh, from Bill and Ted's, and he was, he would have oh. been Ted, wait, he was Bill, or Ted, he would have been Ted, right? Which was no, Keanu, what? which was Keanu, was Keanu Ted Theodore Logan, or was, no, the other guy was, right? Anyway, he was the other one in Bill and Ted, and he, he, he wrote, or he produced and directed a documentary all about the Napster era, it just came out within the last few years. Oh, okay, um, no, he was and, Bill S. Preston Esquire. Oh, he Ted was. Theodore yeah. Logan was, was Keanu. <laughs> was Keanu. Yeah. Yeah, so, so check, yeah. check out that, that documentary, though, and it's, it's amazing stuff, and it has a lot of the clips, like what I just played, and you also see the clip of, of Chuck from uh, the Charlie Rose show, I think. But yeah, Dre and Lars got it wrong. And the funny thing is now Dre is out there running a music service. So yep. that's know. right. No, I, think it's, it, I think it set back the entire industry a decade, that whole that whole um, no doubt. You know, hissy fit about it. And also just Lars in that clip talking about a concept of ownership <laughs> that I don't think in any way applies to the way anybody deals with digital media at all. Right. It's like, it's on my computer and I own it and it's mine. I don't think, I don't, I don't know if anybody thinks that way anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Everything's but on the I think that's right. It's funny. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I'm glad you mentioned Metallica. I have them, it's funny. I have them for a different reason on my list, but I considered this the Napster episode as well. I kind of tended to stick to purely musical missteps, but I like that you, you know, we all bring our different criteria to the mix, but I like that Harrison was kind of looking at yeah. a, a little bit broader. Like, you know, like everybody, everybody's going to have a bad album, right? Everybody's going to, but these are kind of like career decisions that, right. that, right. that w were a big mistake. And I mean, this was a, this is one that affected everybody. So that, that oh, it's, yeah. it should probably be it. higher on my list. It probably, yeah, it definitely should be higher on my As list. As Scott said, one of the, you know, the tech, the real technology shift of the last, you know, 15 years. That's yeah. It yeah. just kind of epitomized it. In in, in the movie, it. yeah. In in this documentary, there's a great uh, clip with Sean Parker talking about when one of the record labels he went to. They, they they at the time when they started to try to get deals. Obviously, it was too late, but they they tried to get deals. 
and he was walking through one of the record labels offices and they go through where all the basically like the low level you know 20 somethings are sitting and he's walking around with the head of the label the big top executives and they start looking around and all the 20 somethings are all using Napster at the time of course yeah, in the office that's great. so it, yeah it, man what a bizarre it's just a bizarre thing man and, and now that we have a whole another generation who would look back, i mean they're going to look back at it and they're going to be like and then when you know and they were be, and they were suing music fans at the time and it's such a weird i don't know just such a weird thing and i you know you guys know we haven't really moved quick enough from that obviously we know i think the music industry is still in flux but yeah mm-hmm. man metallica definitely some bad management there to not do your research and learn about why that was all happening so yeah definitely well it's kind of like how we look back on events like the 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 pmrc i think it was in the 80s and tipper gore's crusade against Mm -hmm. different artists and how we look at you know the burning and smashing of records of like the beatles because i actually thought of the bigger than jesus comment and the backlash against that interesting other musical missteps the paola scandal all these things but we look back on them now as like ancient history and you know, someday we'll look back on Lars Ulrich thing like that. It's like mm-hmm. kids today. Lars, yep. Lars is definitely one of the most interesting dudes in music, without a doubt. So <laughs> I'm glad Lars gets his place in this show. <laughs> so not getting too far away from yeah. that, I have uh, number three on my list. I have another, and these are all again very few have, the, have to do with actual music. But uh, Pearl Jam suing Ticketmaster over their monopoly, uh, which I think set Pearl Jam back um, quite a bit as as far as the trajectory that they were on at the time. And I think their biggest mistake in that is that not having, not making sure anybody had their back. I don't think the label had their back. I don't think yeah. they had any other bands. If they could have, if they could have gotten together with like Soundgarden and Nirvana and the Red Hot Chili Peppers or any of the bands that were really big at the time, anybody who was playing Lollapalooza those days, if they gotten Lollapalooza to say, we're not doing Ticketmaster, that would have been different. But as one band up against this kind of fairly ingrained machine, where everybody outside of the band, the management, uh, the the producers, the promoters, everybody's making money off of that deal, and you don't have any of them with have you in your back. Like they just completely screwed themselves. They took themselves off the summer tours uh, at that point, and combined with them not doing music videos at the same time, I think seriously hurt their um, like the path they were on. They could have been. I mean, they're still one of the greatest, biggest bands out there, but they could have been bigger and better at faster, I think, if they hadn't taken that that uh, jaunt. I, I'm, I'm, I, I sort of agree with you. I was really pleased to see this on your list because I was surprised because you are one of the biggest Pearl Jam fans that I know, of course, and I was surprised that you would go against something that they did. Uh, they deserve credit for trying to stand up to Ticketmaster. The argument you could make is uh, the, the misstep they made was kind of giving up on their crusade when they realized that they had to. They didn't. They couldn't see it the whole way through, and I know that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, that's, it, yeah. it was. It, yeah. they, it became very clear it was yeah. becoming career suicide. I, right. went, I went to the tour that they did. I did, too, with, um, the, with the tickets they had to mail out to you. Yeah, the mail out. It was, yeah. a, it was like yeah. a mess, and yeah. nobody wanted to deal with that. And you know, and they had to play non-Ticketmaster venues. Of what, now there's even fewer of those. Well, but, no you know, chance was, now, because obviously with Live Nation and Ticketmaster being the same company, that doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you talk talk about putting zero dent in the Ticketmaster model. They did nothing. Right. I mean, that, I mean that's what's really a, that's why it's a misstep. I'm not going against what they did. Right. I, you know, I, I thought what they're doing was laudable. It just wasn't. I don't think they really thought about all the consequences involved. Yeah. So, yeah no, it's a good it's a good choice. I agree with Scott. Like, I I, I was surprised you put it on, but I'm glad you put it on because it was, a, it was a, a pretty big moment for you know one of the biggest rock fans, probably you know, one of the biggest of the '90s, one of the biggest of the last 20 years. 
And, mm. you know, it was kind of, unfortunately, um, a moment where after that, that Pearl Jam never really reached the same levels of popularity, partly because of what you, exact reasons you said, the way they were selling tickets and the mm. lack of videos, all those things. Yeah, it, it, it became you had to be dedicated to go want to go see Pearl Jam, and you, that's not how you yeah that's not how you made it big back then. So, all right, number two on my list, and I'm ready for this. Okay, um, Van Halen, or specifically Eddie Van Halen, fires David Lee Roth, 1985. We end the we and we enter into the Van Hagar era. Now, yes, there are arguments <laughs> to be made. Uh Van Halen did quite fine on their own with Sammy Hagar as a lead singer. Yes, they had four number one hit albums, but it's a different band. It's not, you know, it's not the Van Halen that became so popular. It's not the Van Halen of Panama and Jump. It's the, you know, it's the the much much worse version. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me, you know what? Uh, shot across the bow. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I don't. I think, I think Van Halen did fine with with Sammy Hagar. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the David Lee Roth stuff actually is a bit cheesy, and sometimes okay. I don't really like the David Lee Roth stuff. But then what happened is Van Halen brings in Sammy Hagar, and let's not forget about For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, a mm-hmm. great album with such <laughs> hits right. as Pound Cake, Judgment Day. Run around right now and top of the world. Okay, bam, take that. All right. <laughs> so, but I, Scott, I don't know if I want to go the cheesy route as a defense because that's yeah, how because most right. people, <laughs> most people right. would get Hager into that. Are you saying? Are yeah. you, what? Why you think this song is cheesy? grinder. I mean, Hager is not exactly free of cheese. No, yeah. there's no cheese. There's in plenty of lactose. Are there. you saying there's cheese in pound cake? <laughs> no, I, I love pound cake. <laughs> and then. You know, I, basically for me, it was like trading trading in your crazy cousin for your drunk uncle is basically is. what uh, Van Halen <laughs> did. Look, no, I agree. They are two different bands, and mm. I like I actually like both. I've I've never been a hater of Hager or a hater of either one. I, I enjoy both, and mm-hmm. you know, when I saw Van Halen live a couple years ago, of course, David Lee Roth was back in the band when they uh, put out their new album. And I enjoyed it a lot, but I also kind of wish I could have heard, heard some of the Hager tunes. So, no, this is, but know, this I'm is... one of those people who, you know, I like both. Granted, I'd probably be different if I were like 10 years older, because I mm. probably would be, you know, I think people who are in their, you know, 40s feel a little differently. Than yeah, I was going to say that there's there's maybe a very distinct generational divide where if you said that Sam anything by Sammy Hagar, you know, and Van Halen was okay, that you know that was a total anathema. But Scott, you're you're taking it back. I see. You're gonna you're gonna. No, I'm not. I, I'm. I okay. forgot. As I look at the catalog, I forgot about the album Balance, which was the follow up to For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, which actually mm. was the follow up <laughs> to Live right here, right now, which I owned. I was a <laughs> contributor of all three of these, so I was a big Van Hagar guy. So I looked beyond. I looked past the the Van the the stuff with David Lee Roth. So mm-hmm. as I look at Balance, Balance actually had a sweet song called Can't Stop Loving You, which did become a hit. Oh yeah. This this was probably right. just as See, big that as one's that. a little cheesy, okay, but I, I like it. I enjoy it, but Sammy Hager, at least three of their big hits were, were like what love can do, you know, <laughs> why can't this be love? When it's love. Like, right, well, you might have beaten that horse. I think the horse is dead. I, I think it, it, it might have come in at the same time as that heart song uh, that we talked about with the video when they're in the rain. I want to make love to you or whatever that was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think this is a great follow up to that. Really, here it comes. All right, so okay. Scott, yeah. obviously I've had a nerve. 
Yeah. Let's say I'll trade out my I'll trade this out as my mistake, but I'm gonna keep it on Eddie and I'm gonna make it Van Halen fires uh Sammy Hagar and picks up Gary Sherrill. Well, I was gonna say, do we know what track See, that's probably a bigger right. misstep? What what say. track do we sample from Van Halen three is the big question. Oh, fire oh. in the hole. Fire in the fire hole. In the hole. <laughs> Todd, Todd's ready. <laughs> yeah, Todd's ready. Todd Todd is ready for fire in from the, the hole. From the lethal weapon prepare soundtrack. <laughs> And you know the sad part about that is I actually I, I, I enjoyed some of Extreme's work, you know. But, yeah, well, but it of course. Just didn't mix. It did not mix. Of course, ex- ex- or, yeah. you know, I'll even I'll trade that one in, and ex- I'll give you Eddie Van Halen files Michael Anthony for Wolfgang Van Halen. Yeah, that was that a bad was one. That was a bad that's one. That's a bad one. That's right? a bad one too. But I just want to let you know I I wanted to say that uh, Gary when when Van Halen hired Gary Sharon. It left a hole in the heart of many Van Halen fans. I think I think the uh, the promotion of Wolfgang Van Halen or addition of him to the band will, will have to be cited in our top musical nepotism moments. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, More than so words much. say why Gary Sharon should not have been a part of Van Halen. That's right. Yeah. No. Right. Well, we, we had to, well, Eddie. Someone had to go. Someone had to go there with Van yeah. Hager. Van yeah. Halen. But. Yeah. yeah. I just, I, you know, it was a, it was a different band. I think this just goes to the point that like you can't replace the lead singer of a band and still try to be the same band. I just don't think it's, it's necessarily possible. Um, I don't think any band's really done it totally. I would successfully. say, I would say ACDC was about as successful as you could. Yeah, be, right? ACDC. Yeah. ACDC. Okay. Yeah, definitely. that might be the one. That I might. Think they're the exception to the rule, yeah. maybe. But yeah, they, they might be. The I mean, they actually the went to greater levels of success with Brian Johnson than they yeah. had with Bon Scott. Yeah. No, I'll, you know, I'll get you know what? Good call, Todd. But I'm I think so, no, otherwise, just, otherwise, right. it just generally doesn't work. <laughs> so, yep. which leading into you know trying to change things up, that goes to my number one, which is Chris Gaines or Garth Brooks in the life of Chris Gaines, which is a weird double on <laughs> Um What's this? So Garth Brooks is the biggest country singer in the world in the late '90s. You know, selling what his like whatever his last album before Chris Gaines sold like eight or twelve million copies, something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know what's remarkable is I was reading that Garth Brooks had, and maybe I don't know if it was all in the '90s, but he had six albums certified as diamond status, which means ten million or Jesus. more, which is insane. Yeah, um, he he's up there. You know, he's up there with like the Beatles and and Michael Jackson in terms of his sales. It's and crazy. then at some point, he or his manager or somebody gets the idea that he's not tapping into the adult contemporary market enough. Develops his persona, Chris Gaines, to do alternative, like alternative soft rock. Tries to dress up like Trent Reznor, but ends up coming off like a lesbian with a soul patch. Like I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like what? I mean, and then I I think this comes down to like lead singers can do personas. Like you can, if you're the right kind of guy, you can do a persona. If you're if you're David Bowie, you can do Ziggy Stardust. If you're uh, Bono, you can do the Bug or Mephisto, right? But they're personas; they're not characters. It's like, it's just you know a slight variation, like an alternate reality you, you know. And you can, or even Marshall Mathers as or Eminem as uh, Slim Shady, right? It's just it's a variation on the theme. It's a more extreme version. I think that can be done. It can be done well if it's done in a storytelling light. But when you're trying to be a character. It doesn't work. It, you know, well, it, it comes off as insincere for one because people know that's not you, right? 
nobody nobody was like, oh, this Chris Gaines. I've been waiting for the Chris Gaines to come out. You know, nobody. <laughs> there was no fan. It was like finally an adult contemporary album that I've been I've been hearing it in the background for years, and he finally came through. I think part of the problem is that maybe maybe it's like coming from country music. It's not a genre that lends itself to shape shifting so well. Like rock and I feel like rock and hip hop are a little more. You 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 name some good examples of Bowie and Eminem, but they're more forgiving for that with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think country is kind of this earnest genre where it's like, you know, very, you're, yeah, you're talking about yourself and a man, a person of the people, and then to play some character. It's like trying to sell Broadway musical to the country crowd. You know, it doesn't yeah. usually work. He, um, yes, yeah, so. so Chris Gaines. He made up the entire character. I mean, he literally. This was this was literally like method acting, and he explains the entire character. Uh, he's he explained it in several interviews back in when did it was it nine two thousand nine I think yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so this is this is him talking about uh, Chris Gaines' first band called Crush. And just finding the things that are similar between Chris and Garth. Grew up like everybody else except uh, you know he's born in Australia but moved uh, to the L.A. area when he was five. <laughs> And just grew up, you know, with athletics, grew up with music, and uh, over time, athletics. With took athletics. over from athletics. It seems like athletics. every solo artist in, in rock or, or pop has a band that they were in earlier in their career. Uh, this is Chris Gaines' earlier band called Crush. So these guys are like 17 or 18 when this is happening. It's high school. Uh, Crush is kind of like a real intelligent uh, monkeys are real intelligent Beatles kind of feel. Uh, 20 years after oh. uh, the Beatles and Monkeys, you know, hit the scene. A really intelligent Monkeys or Beatles. <laughs> so uh, these guys got it all figured out, they think, like we all do at 17 or 18. And uh, it pretty much shows up on uh, their big smash single, My Love Tells You So, which is really the only video footage we have of Chris. In, in <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> the kid playing Chris is the one with the straight brown hair. Wow. Just, he, really got in, he got into character, deep. yeah, yeah, territory with Garth. the whole backstory. Yeah, and, like, and he didn't and have course, athletics in Australia. <laughs> athletics. He got into athletics. <laughs> I didn't and realize he was, was Australian. Actually, smarter, better Beatles as a child uh, that nobody ever heard of. Yeah. Wow. The the Chris Gaines character. That's. It's unbelievable. It's almost it's one of those stranger than fiction types of, of stories. Is. I feel like oh, you know, it's like how you couldn't if you made that up and you're like, you tell, <laughs> tell a kid today like this guy was like the biggest artist in the '90s in the country world and almost in the pop world, and then he just decides this left turn and to invent a whole persona, and it's like it's massive flop. Which actually, the funny thing is, I, I think of it as a massive flop, and for most by most definitions it was. What's interesting is that I think it actually went double platinum. But for Garth oh, Brooks well, at the time, that was a and as a as we're lo- as we're learning today with country country music, that's not very difficult. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I, I I like the lesbian with a soul patch is is a pretty good way to describe <laughs> the look. <laughs> yes, yes, that is a good way. And actually, two things I was going to add to that is I didn't know this, but it, because this is on my list as well, so I just just to get it out there, this I didn't realize that this the whole Chris Gaines concept album was supposed to build up hype for a movie a movie called, yeah. which was called the lamb um <laughs> and sh- shockingly the movie was killed the project after the the whole concept out flopped 
So we, we'll never get to see the movie The Lamb, and I guess it was never made, but they scrapped oh, it. Never say never. Garth Brooks, didn't he just sign a big deal with Sony recently? Or Yeah, he's going to tour again. So yeah. it's kind of timely that we're talking yeah. about Garth Brooks. And he's exactly. doing, like, he, I think he's doing 10 shows in yeah, big in Ireland. cities. So no, no, the I- Ireland said, no, you can't do it. He got kicked out right. of Ireland, then he had to find oh, I thought, another I thought place. he was still going to play some show. Oh, oh maybe. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, Todd. Uh, my Chris Gaines member, fan club membership RSS yeah. feed. I want to hear. <laughs> Wait, you know what? This this is like audio gold. I just I can't stop listening. We got to listen to another clip of Garth Brooks talking about uh, his relationship with Chris Gaines. <laughs> There's a ton of Garth and Chris. Once you start to get familiar with Chris's music, but one of the things that still will never settle easy with a lot of people, including, you know, my dad still doesn't get it, is how this kind of a face that looks like this and has for a decade sings. A song that goes, you know, there's no more way to. It's very strange to see it come out of his face. It wasn't just your dad. The hard thing about all uh, of playing Chris Gaines, <laughs> a person that you're filming, is for a guy that's 220 pounds to try and look small, and Chris is this supposedly kind right. of a Feminine. smaller uh, built artist. So in all the pictures, it's easy because still photos I could do is suck your cheeks in. And your face becomes real. How much money do you think was sunk into this project? But the problem is, oh, uh, guess. I mean, how does the label say no, so right? The hardest part uh, yeah, right. The dude is sold. Yeah, he's, he's trying at to that find point, probably sold 70 or 80 million records. No, it's the perfect example of when you're just surrounded by people who will say yes to everything that you want. And, uh, yeah, that, uh, this is his George Lucas moment. Yeah. About trying to play Sounds like Tracy Chapman a lot. Or Katie Lang. <laughs> yep. Wow. Chris wow. Is, wow. Oh. And and the one other thing I have to add is they have a famous SNL performance. I, SNL performance, which which uh, <laughs> is is kind of inextricably linked with the whole fiasco or <laughs> the Chris Gaines catastrophe. Was that the, was that the so same one where he did Old French Horror? <laughs> Was one of the best. I don't know, but he. One he of the hosted, best. I think he was the host and the musical guest, but host he was he was just Garth Brooks. Mm-hmm. Musical guest Chris Gaines. So yes, went I even remember further that. with the character. He. Oh, this is it's the the Chris Gaines YouTube sinkhole is is unbelievable. It's really. It's oh, really, yeah. it's it's really amazing. I highly recommend somebody to uh, take to, an afternoon and just go down that it. that sinkhole. <laughs> yes. Or, an, an or late night, you can't sleep. Yeah, that's yeah. a sinkhole. That's definitely a sinkhole that you wanna you wanna visit. Get yourself a nice. Somebody needs of wine to. Somebody does need to enjoy some Chris Gaines. Somebody does need to invent a website that just says YouTube sinkholes, just to give you advice for where you need to go. And you're like, I, you know what? I got like 40 minutes. I gotta kill. Where do where do I go right that's now? Right. And then and then they should have ones that should be. They should go from like somewhat addicting to very addicting, right? Um, so don't go down the sinkhole unless you have a two and a half hours of your time left. Um, <laughs> I, I've gone down sinkholes uh, the, such as the Sister Hazel sinkhole. Uh, uh, I've, yeah. I've gone down many. You've gone down the Darius Rucker sinkhole, right? Yeah, we'll we'll do that later in the show too. Uh, okay. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the YouTube, but the Chris Gaines YouTube sinkhole is, is a nice one to visit. Nice. All right, so Harrison, how do you top Chris Gaines? Was that your number two? That was my number one. That was oh, it. Oh, that was number yeah. one. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I actually did cool. seven on my list, if you don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you got cool. some bonus selections. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was that was strong. Very, I like that. Thank we, you. We covered some good musical ground over the last <laughs> yeah. 30 years. Definitely. <laughs> Lars, Lars and Chris Gaines. That was awesome. 
All right. Oh, yeah. Todd, you're up, man. All right. All right. Um, Okay. This was – so going back on number five, I'm going to go back to Metallica, back to that well. Thankfully, Metallica provided us plenty of fodder, (laughs) especially around 2000, you know, end of the 90s, early 2000s. And I would have to go with St. Anger, um, Mm -hmm. which I listened to – I mean, I remember it from back then. And I remember it it, it was – it divided fans terribly at mm-hmm. the time most i would say most people were on the negative side of it um but some people liked it and i i didn't have a strong opinion at the time so anyway i went back to it recently and uh even before we had the idea for this uh this podcast but i went back to it and i remember listening to it and just thinking this is horrible like hetfield um sounds like a it, it's it gets to the level of self parody it's not, it's that bad yeah. i thought there's there's numerous voice cracks. I mean, even things like production issues you would think would not be an issue. And apparently they, they heavily <laughs> auto-tuned the album. Um, mm. I mean, I guess the whole uh, documentary, if you've seen Some Kind of Monster, is about the making of St. Anger and all the drug problems and all the, the shit that was happening in the band, the, the internal disputes. Um, and sometimes genius comes out of a process like that. Like, but in this case, that was not... <laughs> not the case, but uh, it just sounds like a band trying to sound like Metallica but falling flat on their faces. That's what I, I was going to say. It sounds like this attempt to reclaim their kind of lost glory, the Ride the Lightning, Master Puppets era type stuff, right. and just falling short because they're just an older band that clearly is you know, so far removed from their own roots that they don't even know how to be themselves anymore. Yeah, and this is what it really came down to. It's almost sad how bad that album is. Yeah, and Lars, the funny thing is, Lars, of course, being the spokesman for the band in a lot of ways, he had built it as kind of a return to form. He had said this is exactly what you're saying, getting back to their roots, because they realized that Load and Reload, which we mentioned earlier from the 90s, had alienated a lot of fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and the funny thing is, say what you will about those albums, it's not their finest work, but it's it's pretty not bad, bad. middle of the rock. road, heavy rock or hard rock. It's not really the metal sound that they had earlier. I thought it was okay, but what's interesting about that album, about St. Anger, is that it was the first album without Jason Newstead that they've mm-hmm. done since 1986 when their, their bassist had died. Um, and so Bob Brock, the, their producer, took over on bass. I don't know what it was, you know, it was a combination of forces, I guess. I think they had just lost a lot of their with their mojo, and, and they did that Garage Etc. album back in the late 90s, which was the album of covers. I'm finishing up with saying okay, yeah, I'm done yeah. with it. Pretty much, I just was wondering if we could hear that, that clip. But. Yeah, so this is, this is all within my hands. Yes. This is the closer off of St. Anger. much is the last minute of the album is just Hetfield screaming kill 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 over this over what sounds like Garth like hitting Tupperware or something. <laughs> yeah, Garth, I'm sorry. I mean Lars. No, Garth, Garth, Chris Gaines, Chris sorry, Gaines. Garth is in my head. Oh, I, I picture Chris Gaines off stage left. Wait, he's he's the headliner for the night after this song is over. <laughs> And then he comes on and plays some mellow soft rock. <laughs> yeah. And it's for kill, 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 kill. To me, it sounds like the 40-year-old bouncer at Jack's finally got the <laughs> chance to open a show and got his, you know, three-piece together, and that's what they played. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. that's all. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But scene anger, check it out. You're, you know, you've been warned. That's amazing. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's got some bad moments on it. Uh, anyway, moving on, number four, I have uh, Eminem, uh, Relapse which was probably a low point in Eminem's career.
career, and uh, and and it's not. There are some things worth listening to on the album, but he does this series. I don't know where he thought this, why he thought this was a good idea, but he does a number of accents on the album, and it's just really annoying. At one point, he sounds like some like Rasta <laughs> Leprechaun or something, and the songs just fall flat. He has ter- the, the song "My Mom" is terrible. He's just it's annoying. Bl- he blames his mom for his drug problems. He's got one that's that's don't, don't we particularly all. bad called bagpipes, bagpipes from Baghdad, where he does this Arab accent. It's really, <laughs> it's really yeah. And then the song "Beautiful" is also pretty awful and shocky. So, I think Eminem. Oh, actually, Eminem did even on his next album on Recovery, which is a much better album. He even basically says, you know, the last album sucked <laughs> in so many words. So even he has said, I think it's it was a regrettable album. So, relapse. You know, if you're looking for the bottom of the barrel as far as Eminem, that's that's where it is. Um, <laughs> moving on to number three, uh, I have Neil Young. The interesting thing about someone like Neil Young, who go, who's been around for so long, it's kind of what Harrison was alluding to earlier, is you're bound to have some missteps. Um, obviously, he's a great artist, but he had the album Trans. It's called T R A N S Trans. In, uh, I believe this is 1983, and it's basically Neil Young goes new wave, uh, which is as bad or worse than it sounds. Apparently, mm-hmm. it was inspired by Kraftwerk, and uh, it's Neil, Neil Young with a vocoder and singing songs about computers, <laughs> and, the, and Computer Age is a jam off of this album. Uh, it's just it's a bizarre album, um, and and I think Neil Young was a little lost during the 80s. Uh, there was some good work, and he came back around by the end of the decade. Uh, with the Freedom album and you know Rockin' the Free World, everyone knows that that was kind of a return to the form with Crazy Horse. But he made some weird. After Trans, he made an album called Everybody's Rockin', which is all a tribute to like his '50s doo-wop roots. Um, <laughs> and then he made This Notes for You in 1988, which is a very weird, not a bad song, but a weird song about corporate sponsorship. Corporate sponsorship. And interesting if you think back to that time. It had a huge influence on Pearl Jam, actually. Oh yeah. That's so awesome. anyway, but I, but trans was really what I was getting at there, and uh, for those who, if you're a Neil Young fan or if you're not, it's definitely worth taking a trip back uh, down that road. What? Yeah, there's plenty of other Neil Young stuff in recent years, too. I mean, he's coming out now, he's trying to shill for his own... A format called Pono, which is a player that is is going to be lossless, uh, you know, a lossless version of, of digital audio. Uh, so he wants us all to go get new MP3 players that aren't a part of our phone. I think he's a little late on that. Uh, we can't forget <laughs> yeah. when he, he also came out when he when he rejoined Crazy Horse and he came out with the song. Uh, I mean, the album Americana, and he did hits like This Is Your Land, and he did Oh Susanna and Clementine. Have you guys heard some of yeah. this stuff? I mean, this was... No. This, oh, you got to hear... Oh, this is... Yeah, this is what, but this is what Neil Young does, though, like, right? I think he's he's like, always reinventing himself. This is kind of... I mean, trans was just a bad example of it. Like, yeah, and then he did... Then Psychedelic Pill, which came out last year, two years ago, was the other, the, the other Crazy Horse one. Which was, uh, yeah, I don't, this is what he does, I guess. But obviously, he's, he's still was, a great and, artist. But, you know, yeah, he is. Uh, and, and it's just, it was one of those, as I say, I think, he, I admire him for trying all these different things, but trans was just one of those things that didn't, it just really, it was well, out the there. 80s, the 80s, the 80s like, was, was an what? interesting time for all those yeah. all those hippie classic rock guys. They were oh, forced to wear the blazers, as we've discussed. A lot of right. them had the ponytails. 
They, Cocaine's uh, a hell of a drug, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's talk about. Remember, we 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 got it. Uh, we we picked it up. I think on a previous show, but Graham Nash's '80s output was was unbelievable. He had some hit on MTV that was uh, I can't remember what it was. So yeah, they they no, were I all think it's struggling. A good point. Everyone yeah. everyone who yeah was successful in the late in the late '60s or early yeah. '70s. It, yeah, they they had a hard time. Some of them more than others. <laughs> adapting to that you know to synths and uh, and this you know new new wave sound and and actually it's funny because in my research for the show i was listening because a lot of people had panned some of bob dylan's 80s work speaking of you know greats and and their attempts to adapt but bob dylan i listened i went back and listened to empire burlesque which was his album from 1985 thinking oh this might this might make my list and i listened to it and there are some there are some dated selections on there but you you can tell the songs are still pretty good i think on empire burlesque um so anyway i didn't end up choosing something like that and actually i thought about his born again christian period as well um, oh, yeah. but the mu- the music still you know is i think mostly pretty good but i thought i didn't know if you know one of you guys would go there because that's interesting or you know bob dylan obviously we talked about him a lot i think he was you know at the time that you know you can talk about his his religious changes or dylan goes electric but i think in hindsight those weren't that those weren't really necessarily huge missteps as far as his career. Right, and that's what I that's why I ultimately didn't put it on my list because yeah. I didn't think it was that that bad. So anyway, Neil Young number three. Number two, we've talked about Chris Gaines, Garth Brooks, that was number two for me. And you might say, How do you top that? Which I was asking Harrison because I didn't know if he topped it. But there was only one thing. I told I was telling Scott yesterday, I didn't tell him what it was, but but my number one was was I was certain of. Um, and it's kind of shared, it's all guns and roses. But it's shared partly between Spaghetti Incident, which was a disaster of a of a of a catastrophe, um, and then Chinese Democracy, which mm-hmm. uh, you know qualifies equally. But you know it's funny because they're separated by 15 years, um, but both both for different reasons, almost unlistenable. Um, but I went back and listened. I did it for you. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, but so starting with Spaghetti Incident, um, just. You know, coming off of their basically the biggest albums of their career with Use Your Illusion one and two, they follow it up with with an album of covers, supposedly to get back to their I guess their roots. Um, but it's just it's just terrible. I was listening to Since I Don't Have You, which was one of the singles. I think Ain't It Fun might be one of the low points. That yeah, was that was the single. one I was queuing up. I was queuing up Ain't, Ain't It Fun. Uh, Ain't it's, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> How do you? Um, and you, they were the biggest band in the world before yeah. this. I mean. Oh God! I mean, this was only this only came out two years after Use Your Illusion. Right. This yeah. Is yeah. <laughs> we remember the the band was. I mean, the band was in total freefall at that point. <laughs> uh, and then and then as far as Chinese democracy is concerned, I like I don't know because that was just a a, a vestige like. Uh, <laughs> Axel was contractually <laughs> obligated to produce that album. I don't think he wanted to make it. I don't think anybody else wanted him to make it, but he had to make it, and that's and that's why it took 15 years. Yeah, and well, it, yeah, and it produced hits like "Street of Dreams," huh? Oh yeah. Yesterday's part two, as we discussed. Oh. It is yesterday's part two. Yeah. <laughs> but not. Or not November nearly. Rain part two, yeah. but horrible, horribly gone wrong. Wow. Here it comes. Axel and his random GNR players. Yeah. Oh. 
No. It's terrible. It's so bad. So that and, and I think the supporting tour became just something of a bit of a performance art as far as like how badly he could just fuck everything up. I don't uh-huh. know. I think that you know, I haven't seen this tour and I would love to see the, the, the tour that's been going on for I don't know, the better part of five over five yeah. years now. Yeah. Five, six years, yeah. I mean, he's been out touring with, with random guys and, and it's headlining festivals. I mean, it hasn't gotten horrible reviews they play the hits and uh, you know guns and roses probably another topic but the amount of money that's being left on the table for those guys to come together i mean at what point it's it's inevitable right at some point they will come back together at some point i mean the question is will it be five years ten years or twenty years from now i don't know actually just too far off the Dude, you might be off the rails, and I don't know if yeah. you know why would Slash subject him to himself. To oh, you want to know why? Like you want to know why? why? Because he's playing with Miles Kennedy right now. That's why. Okay, <laughs> and he's playing. He's opening. You know, what's he, he supposed to do? He's Michael one Jackson's of the greatest dead. guitarists of all time, and he's sitting there opening gigs as opposed to playing stadiums, which is what I mean. They are. That would be the biggest ticket in in a long time if they were to get back together without a yeah. doubt, right? Yeah, you could put it up there. But, with but everybody's feeling a little once once bitten with those guys too though like you know who would you trust them to actually get through a whole show together yeah the money would be the money would be insane yeah the money would be insane so just to go back chinese democracy cost 13 million dollars in in total <laughs> to make and wait, wait uh, they, how how and it took over 10 years to make it how does it cost thirteen? Depending on where you start, thirteen the, million. Can you I don't show know. us the That's balance the sheet? I found. That's, I don't have the balance. I don't have yeah the list, of the accounting. Yeah, for it. yeah. But a whopping thirteen million dollars for you know, what's just an atrocious album, and and it's just sad because I talked about uh, I talked earlier about Metallica and Hetfield bordering on self-parody. That's exactly what happens with Axel. I mean that that song is a good example. But it's just him. Everything that made once made him and Guns N' Roses great is what makes them terrible with Chinese Democracy. And so, and and funny actually, fun fact about going back to the spaghetti incident is that I never knew what the hell that name was about. Um, <laughs> but I did go back and research it, and apparently, of course it, you it, did. A, of course you a, did. It's a reference. <laughs> yeah, it's a reference to Stephen Adler, the original drummer who played on <laughs> Appetite for Destruction. We all know him from Steve, Celebrity Rehab. Yes. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So Stephen Adler, in his lawsuit, he sued the band, and it went on for a while. But in Stephen Adler's lawsuit against the band, apparently he cited this food fight that happened between him and Axl Rose. And and the, in the food fight, the, the lawyer for Stephen Adler referred to it as the spaghetti incident. So that wow. was like an inside joke a little bit with the band. <laughs> that's horrible. So that's what the spaghetti incident was, was the food fight, yeah, reference to the lawsuit against the band. So I thought that was interesting. And also interesting that uh, apparently originally spaghetti incident, some of those tracks were going to be on Use Your Illusion, and they actually wanted to make it three or four CDs, which would have been <laughs> even worse. I had it on idea. Oh, okay. Well, they were going to make it longer and throw in a lot of the, the cover shit. And they decided not to. Then they were going to make it an EP because they had, I don't know, I guess they had five or six songs. And then they decided, well, they got Gil- Gilby Clark. Because I think <laughs> yeah. Gilby Clark, the only album he ever played on was was uh, was Spaghetti Incident. Oh, so he uh, wasn't on you. But he's in the video. Voters. He's in the video for Use Your uh, for November right, Rain. But I don't think yeah. he played. Okay. I'm pretty sure. He might have guessed, been like a guest, but yeah. he wasn't the officially in the band, I don't think, in Use Your Illusion. So the only proper album he played on was Spaghetti Incident, but then, it, so they decided, let's just record a whole album, and that's how the Spaghetti Incident happened. So, And the one last thing I'll say about that album is, is if, as if it weren't bad enough, um, as much enough of a, a bomb, I guess, 
uh, Axel did decide to include a Charles Manson penned song as a hidden track on that album, on the Spaghetti Incident, called Look at Your Game Girl, <laughs> which, of course, had a, uh, a terrible reception with <laughs> public. And Axel tried to defend it for a while, and then I think gave up on that. So that's all I'll say about Guns N' Roses. Wow. But, you know, you just have, like you said, one of the biggest bands in the world at that time in the early 90s, and just this epic collapse and then drawing it out over the last 20 years. So, so I felt like I had to bookend it with Spaghetti Incident and uh, Chinese Democracy. Gilby Clark had a, a solid solo solo career that had that brought us oh, albums yeah. uh, such as Swag, which features him on the cover with a cowboy hat and a, and a guitar, and includes songs such as uh, a song called "I Want to Hit." I want. I, I'm just so curious. I mean, this is called Margarita. Did he go country? Oh, <laughs> oh, it sounds like Days of the New. Yeah, oh, but yeah. All right, we don't need Gilby Clark. You can find that yourself. Yeah, Again, another yeah. sinkhole. You can go down on your own. Yeah, the yeah, Gilby yeah. Clark yeah, sinkhole. Yeah, yeah, All right, yeah, so that's yeah, my yeah. list. Yeah. No, that's a that's a good <laughs> one. No, I, the, the, the GNR saga definitely had to be a part of the show because oh, yeah. it's uh, it's unbelievable after after Use Your Illusion what happened from Spaghetti Incident Chinese Democracy to, to what is Axel today. So very good, very good list. All right, moving on to my uh, my top five. My honorable mention. I have uh, two honorable mentions that go with the same person. Uh, the, the the honorable mention is when Snoop stopped smoking weed, and then when Snoop became Snoop Lion. <laughs> of course, they're the opposite things because he decided he stopped smoking weed, then he started smoking weed again, and then he decided to transform himself into Snoop Lion. So that is my honorable mention on my list. Number. I wonder if that was a misstep. It got him back in the news, which is all Snoop needs. So. <laughs> That's true. Snoop is well. Snoop is our generation's George Clinton. He'll be doing the same thing. Oh. He'll be playing colleges until he's seventy, and uh, yeah, he'll he'll be you know that's what he is. Yeah. But Snoop Lion, I found it a little hard to listen to. Uh, I found it yeah a bit hard to listen to, and you know it was it was it was a new character. It was very Chris Gaines like, obviously. It was yeah. a whole new a whole new character. So Snoop Lion, <laughs> my honorable mention. My number five is. Kid Rock, All Summer Long. This is a mashup that nobody needed. All he did was just mash up two songs. Not to say that the career may not have ended up in the same place it is today had he not come out with All Summer Long. <laughs> yeah. And that's the argument you can make against this being on the list, obviously. It charted, yeah. Well, it's, oh, it and huge. it's still charged. Yeah. I bet you could still play that in a, in a bar or a club and get a response uh, depending upon where you are in America. Uh, of course, that probably go, you could probably do the same thing with any Kid Rock tune in some places mm-hmm. in America. But uh, the, the world just, he was, I don't know, was he sitting around in his bedroom and he decided to mash up two songs and he came up with all summer long and then he's like and uh and then he starts to remember the times when they didn't have no internet and when they were hanging out in northern michigan but uh, <laughs> he forgot, he Wait, forgot. are you gonna play it or is it so oh i was for you, that you i, I wasn't i mean it? i i don't think we need do we need to hear all right that's it? Fine. i mean no if Just we need to, so it was it was sweet know. home alabama and werewolves of london right that's which correct. is the same chord yeah. progression so there's actually there's very little mashing up that's going on she was 17 and she was okay. far from in between it was summertime and no <laughs> but it's like a, it's like a virus. You can't stop it once you get it going. Oh yeah. What's interesting about your selection, Scott, is it's one of the few commercial successes today. Because most of what like, we've been talking about are wow. Yeah. This was actually a commercial success, though artistically, we would probably argue. Yeah. Argue differently. The yeah. world should not have allowed this to be a commercial success. The way the moon 
You see that we were trying oh, different yeah. things. We oh, were yeah. smoking funny things. Yep. He rhymes the word things with things. Ending. Can anybody here help me out? It's like orange. How are you going to rhyme something with ing? The, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The song, it's, it's, uh, he just want, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, it, it's one of those songs where it's like, how many beers does it take before you can't stop dancing to that song? And uh, unfortunately, I think the beer count is relatively low. So that's that's what happens with that, and that's how it becomes something. But if I were the manager, I would have said, we can shelve this, dude. You don't need to do this, okay? Uh, you can continue to make mashups and release them through SoundCloud or something. Yeah. Kid Rock. And if I was the album, yeah. if I was the producers, I wouldn't have been wanting to pay the extra oh royalties. Well, but it's totally, <laughs> you know, the, the, the common theme here is it's artists reach a certain point, and the producers and management, nobody's going to say no. If the producer says no, they're like, well, I'll go down the street and hire some producer who will say yes to me. I mean, yeah, could you imagine mm-hmm. you're the guy at the studio and, and you get in and, you, and they're like, okay, here's what we're recording today. And you're like, what? You, no, this isn't a real song. We're not really recording this. He's like, no, Kid, Kid Rock will be here in 10 minutes. We're going to be recording uh, his mashup that he put together in his bedroom last night. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, anyway. So that's, that's number five on my list. Number four is Offspring's Pretty Fly for a White Guy. And I'm going to explain this. Uh, I, that band has in my opinion and i've been listening to uh, quite a bit of of punk music lately and um and obviously that's where their their roots are and that band has a solid output of music i think now you got i don't that my take on it but pretty fly for a white guy really damaged them and really turned them into a band that is looked at as a cheesy band but i think a it, joke yeah yeah joke. yeah, yeah but I, I think i think their stuff is is Pretty good, and had they not put that out, I think the career trajectory may have been different for that band. No, I agree. I actually, it's funny. I had it on my list at some point, but I ended up knocking it off. Yeah. Um, but but it was up there. But yeah, that song. I agree with you. I mean, they were, I think, a legitimately good band, not like an amazing band, and com- but yeah, it just kind of put them into like joke joke rock territory. Yeah, it's a complete thematic be. shift from what they had been doing prior to that, which was like earnest, like earnest's hard rock. Yeah, Southern California hard rock, which yeah. is a thing. Which is what they've and done they, since then. And it's what they yeah. put out they put out good songs since then, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I think they I you know, and this is I'm not trying to say that they would be as big as the Foo Fighters, but I think instead their career went the way of Smash Mouth, right? Instead of yeah. going the career of a legitimate Yeah, I went and, I, yeah. yeah, I went back and re- listened to the song, and you know what's funny? After having listened to Weird Al a lot of the, the week before, it sounds like a song Weird Al should have right. Been. It would have well, yeah. oh, worked yeah. for him. You well, know? it does, and it does fit in and perfectly. He did white and nerdy, it's like white and nerdy. It does, yeah. it does fit in perfectly with Smash Mouth, All Star, and Sugar Ray Fly. You can play those three back to back to back, and you can wear your Abercrombie and Fitch, and you get you go back to that time. So it's, it's like it's crazy 1998. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I heard that the other day. Oh yeah, like, butterfly. <laughs> That song is terrible. Butterfly. <laughs> Butterfly, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, that was another – he's another celebrity rehab uh, cast member. The guy – Shifty Shellshock. Shifty, Shifty Shellshock. All right, anyway. Yeah, all you have to do is look just, at that guy and go, like, he's on drugs. Yeah, yeah, well, he called himself Shifty Shellshock. I think he – yeah, anyway. Is that the guy from Crazy Town? Yeah, that's his name, yeah. Shifty Shellshock. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. yeah. I think at one point – I don't think I owned it, but maybe someone else – did who was a roommate or something and i did peruse through the liner notes i'm not sure why i know that but anyway uh you know yeah only in college you have enough time to read the liner notes to crazy town 
So uh, <laughs> uh, next is Madonna's version of American Pie. No need to play that. Uh, you can. That's another YouTube. Are you sure? Show. No need to play. Okay, uh, maybe. All right. All right fine. If you, if that's you, okay. No, 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 no. If we, I just it, feel like we have this audio it, platform, so it, it's nice to it, give it, listeners that's true. You know, a little. No, no, that's true. That's true. Even, no is, matter how bad. And this the was music. a. This was a. This was a soundtrack item, of course. And soundtrack. This is back in the day when soundtracks were like this time for experimentation. I think, uh, mm -hmm. and it was part of a mu movie called. Called the next best thing. There we go. You know what's funny about this? But I just needed to taste some yeah. terrible, some terrible right there. You I know what's it. funny about this? Like this today, I feel like Calvin Harris or Avicii could step this up and turn it into like a legitimate dance hit. Hit, yeah. Like this beat sucks. I mean, this is yeah, weird. That's pretty weak. It sounds like Super, Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> but it's also it's American Pie. I mean, everybody knows this song, and nobody was at, was like, we need a new American Pie for the 21st oh, century. Right. And it's been covered in you know in in thousands of bars around. Faithfully the world. covered. Yeah. Faithfully covered. Yes. You know, yes. Nobody's trying to switch it's up. It's a American great folk pie. cover, but but yeah, this is not this was not the time. We're the way to do it. The whole, it, it is funny, this Casio sound, because, ugh, and because any, you know, it's so far from what the, the EDM stuff that's working today, uh, it's, it's just, it's bad. Oh my God. It's bad. Because I do, it's, it's far, but it's not far, right? Like it's, it's not like, I feel like you just do a little tweak on it and you got mm -hmm. what, what Avicii and Calvin Harris are, are coming out with, which are huge hits, obviously. And, yeah. um, it, so that wasn't on the American Life album, was it? It wasn't on that. Album. It might have been. No, I think it was a part of the album. But it was also that in the was, movie. I was. Yeah. In my yeah. research, I did come across that album as you know a lot of people saying that was a very a big misstep by Madonna. And, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was. Yeah. I don't know. If it, it was, was not there, a part but, of American that Life. That album was okay. That album yeah. was yeah. pretty awful in my, my limited listening to it. My top two, my top two, it was tough to pick which was going to be number one for me. Um, and they feature two of my favorite guys in, in rock music for various reasons. I just consider both guys characters. However, I would also consider these two. Th but probably the reason I consider them characters is because of the missteps of their career at certain times. Um, and this guy, this first one that I come out, come out with at number two, uh, has many missteps you could go with, uh, including uh, when he worked on projects such as Corrosion of Conformity when he decided to become a metal DJ. Uh, he's done the rap rock thing. Of course, he's an amazing drummer. But then at some point, they decide to let him sing one of their most notable songs. And that's when Tommy Lee decided to sing Home Sweet Home. I mean, this is bizarre, and I'll tell this. Harrison, have you ever heard this? I have not heard oh, this. Just, Wasn't it on a soundtrack? It was. It was on an episode of Californication. I'm on my That's his, that's his vocals. I mean, I, I don't. It's just a bunch of people in a bar singing. Right. Couldn't it? Could, it's, it could be any bar in America singing yeah. "Home Sweet Home." Right? Yep. Wait, we gotta wait for Tommy. His, he's got his lyrics at some point, but. Yeah, that was it. So he he decided to release a new version of Home Sweet Home. It shows up in 
season four of Californication, and it is a scene in a bar. I know that's shocking considering how much Hank Moody drinks, but uh, shocking. yeah, yeah. Um, oh wait, you, one correction. I think you said corrosion of conformity, right? Wasn't but I think that? It was yes. Methods of Mayhem. Oh, yeah, Methods of Mayhem. mayhem. Oh yeah, why? Well, corrosion of conformity conformity is a real band. band. That's a real band. band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah, meant yeah. Methods of Mayhem. Yeah, thank you. Oh my god. Well, it was Sorry, probably. I just was, it was no. in my head. I was like, wait, corrosion's a no time. Yeah, it was bothering me too, but I'm glad we got there. Well, why didn't you guys? Yeah, that was. Yeah, you guys should have corrected me even quicker. No, well, I, want, I didn't yeah. interrupt Home Sweet Home, no. but uh, yeah. no, Methods of Mayhem was, was a pretty big misstep. Yeah, as well, Methods I of think. Mayhem. So, there, and then there was also his. TV. Wait, was that the one with Travis Barker? Was uh, he in that? Uh, no, no but Little Kim was in it. No, Travis oh, Barker did. What? <laughs> no, I think Fred. Yeah, Dur- I think. Fred Durst was involved. Actually, we're just yeah. gonna throw out names yeah. of '90s rejects. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm serious. Little Kim was involved. She she had like a Hold little uh, like a solo verse on "Get Naked," I think. Get naked. Oh, okay. That yeah, this one could be on the list too. Is this Fred Durst? It, I was gonna say it sounds like a Limp Bizkit outtake. Apparently, Mixmaster Mike was involved in, in the uh, original version. Oh. Who was? Mixmaster Mike. Oh, Mixmaster Mike. The rapper, his name is Tylo. Oh yeah, there's Fred. <laughs> wow, that's. That's oh, a oh you know, did you know? Wait, wait, wait a minute. Let me tell you guys who else was involved in this. Okay, two other people from my list were involved. Kid Rock and Snoop were both involved. Oh wow, <laughs> nice. That's a perfect synthesis of your list. Yeah. Uh, it's I probably per- put out an, an album in 2010 as well called Public Disservice Announcement. Oh wow, I thought they went away. <laughs> oh yeah. no, and he still does gigs. He still DJs. I think he does. Yeah, I think he still does. He hasn't given up. Oh no, he hasn't. He's trying to. Maybe he should keep Motley Crue going. I know that Motley Crue says they're retiring this year, but I think yeah. they should just yeah. maybe keep that going. Oh, George Clinton was also on Get Naked, for what that's worth. Wow. Did hey yeah. did did uh, Methods of Mayhem play Woodstock '99? Uh, Harrison, you were there. Did they? They might have been Woodstock '99. I don't think they played Woodstock '99. Oh, okay. 99. No. All right. Because I could see them having, but maybe it would fit in. No, yeah, it would have fit in. No, in? maybe it came out later. It came out. They, they didn't. <laughs> yeah, a little bit later. It was later. Yeah, yeah. It was later. Anyway, so I guess the various Tommy Lee's, uh, Tommy Lee missteps are number yeah, two on Tommy my list. Yeah, Tommy Lee kind of gets his own cat, just like Guns N' Roses kind of gets uh, a long. Uh, and there is <laughs> there, there is a common thread through my list because I'm gonna go with a little known fact here regarding my number one. My number one is Darius Rucker's R&B album called This Is My World, which was definitely influenced by Chris Gaines, if we take a listen. I'm sorry, the album's called Back Back to Then, but this is called oh, okay. This Is My World. Okay. Oh. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a pretty bad... On your face. Okay, so anyway, Darius Rucker decides to come out with the R&B album called uh, Back to Then. That's the single This Is My World. Guess who made an appearance on the album? Snoop. Ooh. Snoop. Snoop oh, is on the wow. Darius Rucker R&B album uh, wow. later on. It's like one of the later tracks. Uh, it, yeah, so Snoop is a common thread through through uh, all of my uh, my entire <laughs> list. But, yeah, Darius Rucker, we know he was able to bounce back, go to the refugee camp known as Country Music, and, um, you know, where all music stars decide to go at some point. And uh, he's been fine since then. But the R&B thing was definitely a misstep. So that's that's number one on my list is the Darius Rucker R&B experiment. Of course, that coming after he realized that 
Hootie just didn't have a future in the 2000s. So. <laughs> Fair. And look, his career is rejuvenated. It's great. Yeah, it's it's going well. It's going well. And uh, yeah, you know, I could probably li- again the the beer count. I, how many beers did you have to drink in order to only be able to listen to? Because I think it's possible to spend four hours listening to just Wagon Wheel and all summer long, back to 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 back. How many beers oh, do you think? Is that like? If you drank, brain like, death. I'd, I'd, I'd reach brain death. That would drive, yeah, it could drive someone insane. Do you yeah. think so? But but you'd also be dancing while doing it. You'd be dancing. Or no? are you alone or are you trapped in a white room? I mean. Well, I don't know if, tri- that- what I'm getting at is, is I think there are a lot worse punishments than having to listen to all summer long and wagon wheel back to back to back to back is what I'm saying. Uh, I think that. Well, you know what's the worst punishment? Listen to my top five and put on those <laughs> albums in a, and locked in a room. On repeat, yeah. and you will, <laughs> yeah. you will probably shoot yourself. If you had to hear St. Anger, Relapse, Trans. Oh, you know, like the most mix. discordant. The... Chris Gaines, yeah. and then Spaghetti Incident and Chinese Democracy. I Actually, that's what my last week was, and I'm still alive, thankfully. I'm, I'm <laughs> hanging like, by a thread here. You're different, man. His marriage is on the, is on the rocks. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I actually was – yeah, it's funny you mentioned it. I was playing some of Relapse yesterday, and then I started playing some Chinese Democracy, and I think Vicky was like – what the hell is going on? And I was like, no, you don't understand. I'm trying to listen to shitty music for a change. You might think some of my music is shitty before, but this actually, I, I'm saying, I'm actually freely admitting it's shitty and proud. So. You, should have put, you should have put on some uh, some uh, New Kids right after that and see. Yeah, that, that would have been again. like a sweet bomb for her. It's yeah. true. Man. Um, but, yeah, but anyways, I'm, I'm actually, that's one sense, in one sense, it's good that the show's over. I can stop listening to this shit. But... On the other sense, on the other <laughs> hand, I'm making a playlist, and I started realizing no one's going to listen to this playlist, this Twisted Lister number 20 playlist, because I'm pretty much putting out there, this is the uh, shittiest music imaginable. Oh, yeah, this well, is, so. the, this, Speaking of which, yeah, good go luck, ahead. audience members, finding Chris Gaines' album, because you can't. It's like It has been wiped so, off the face of the earth. So. <laughs> Chris, yeah. so Chris, as we put together the final list, Chris Gaines is the unanimous number one. I feel one. like it has to be number no, for one. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, I, I, even, even though it was number two on my list, I'll give that I think one. the GNR debacle is, is probably I think in GNR, the list. Yeah, should be up. There, we'll give them to, yeah, yeah, give me yeah. number two. GNR two, maybe. Okay. Um, one of the Metallicas has to be has to be on there at yes. some point. Yeah. How about every? How about Metallica post Reload? We'll call that. Yeah, okay. yeah, we yeah. can lump them together, just yeah. like I did with GNR. When did Reload? When did Reload come out? Reload came out in '97. Okay, yeah. So and Saint Anger was '03, so it was interesting perfect. because it was a six-year layoff. <laughs> yeah, that's know, so. Yeah. No, and that's the time. That's the uh, that's the time period when Lars was was fighting Napster. So that's perfect. Yeah. Funny how many of our picks concentrate right around well we've talked about the, the, that is the shittiest century. the shittiest era of rock and roll it right. is yeah we've talked about that the late 90s early 2000s yeah. you're right so with the exception of with the exception of kid rock he kept it going somehow that's right yeah. um i'm gonna put i'll give you uh, offspring offspring uh, all right at number four yeah i'd give you that yeah. pretty five for a white guy that was a huge Huge mistake. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty bad. Um, so Wait, what's number? What's number? Th- oh, three is Metallica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then we've got uh, the, the Van Halen, obviously. Pearl Jam suing Ticketmaster. Uh, Neil Young's various uh, missteps that we've talked Kiss. about, including his own tra- Yeah, Kiss. Yeah. Kiss pulling off the makeup was might have been a mistake. Hmm, where to go from here? Darius, what else is there? Darius oh, Rucker's, Scott, have... Darius Rucker's R&B album, of course, and then the various missteps of Tommy Lee. Uh, those are 
So those are all all possibilities. Where to go with number five on the and Eminem relapse too. Yeah. Um, hmm. Harrison, hmm. what do you think? Uh, you know, I I still like my kiss pick. I think that that was yes. a, yeah. you know, especially because they they rebounded from it. They they learned from their mistake, but it was a misstep. That's, if that's we if true. we want to call it a real misstep instead of a drop off, it was a misstep. That's true. So. No, I can I can live with the kiss yeah. just because I think it's it's a. Uh, it's it's pretty well acknowledged probably by everyone yeah. that it was a misstep. Whereas like I'm sure Neil Young would probably make an argument for trans. So actually Eminem acknowledged relapse. But as I said, Eminem even on a shitty Eminem album, there's still some yeah you know, redeeming qualities. Whereas Kiss, there's probably nothing <laughs> redeeming about taking off the makeup, especially the way that Gene Simmons looks in real life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. all of them, frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the final list, the five biggest missteps in, in music, uh, Kiss pulling off their makeup, Offspring releasing Pretty Fly for a White Guy, Metallica from 1998 till 2001. Is that right? When did well, 2003 was the yeah. yeah, yeah, about then. So, yeah, late 90s, early 2000s, Metallica. GNR for the 15-year period between... Spaghetti, 93 and yeah, yeah, which, yeah. which is the sh- shit rock right in the middle there. Yeah, yeah, yep. exactly. Right. Shit rock. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, Perfect. yeah that's it right. Absolutely. And then, of course, which what was released in the in we didn't decide it was 99 or 2000. Chris Gaines, Garth Brooks project, which he entitled Chris Gaines <laughs> as the uh, the biggest um, the biggest mis- musical misstep. Snoop isn't involved in any of these, so I think it's good. He was spared, that's so that's that's good. Well, think, that's a good list. I think yeah. what it comes down to, the, I think that the, the lesson to be learned here, if you're a famous musician and listening to our podcast, is that there's <laughs> and there are many. You know, basically, there's two big ways to misstep: is one is forgetting where you came from, and two is not listening to the people around you. I think those are the two things that it comes down to. You know, having more power than sense. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's and, why. And you know what's interesting? Yeah. Oh, go, go ahead, Scott. No, no. That's why we are going to was... go in another direction and change the topic of this show to a show all about house hunting and flipping houses. That that joke sucks. <laughs> but that's what I was getting at. Don't listen to anybody. Anyway, uh, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Oozing our way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, I was I was yeah. gonna say like we were getting at earlier, just the fact that when I went back and was looking at all these ideas for for biggest missteps and even most of the artists not all of them maybe tommy lee's an exception but most of them had very successful careers overall they just and and that's the interesting thing is you know you don't uh, yeah it's true you don't have a horrible misstep without having some type of building some type of expectation or foundation before that yeah yeah go ahead that's right go ahead no so it's just kind of interesting because and that's the other what goes hand in hand with that is if an artist like harrison was saying earlier with Neil Young, if an artist is around long enough, you know, they're bound to make some mistakes. And so you you can't really I don't know that you could find anyone who's been around, you know, for for decade a decade or maybe a couple decades who hasn't made some missteps, that's, arguable missteps. That's true. And yeah. we, and we have an appreciation for I think every single one of the artists that we mentioned today, nobody is is uh, unanimously hated by the panel here, so uh, oh, yeah, right. Because yeah. even yeah. Scott likes Kid Rock. I, I, I yeah, <laughs> I know that. You know what? Uh, what's the with the the Bow to Bow album? Uh, oh my God! Devil without a, devil, devil without, without yeah, a cause. Devil with a cause. Yeah. I could wax poetic about that album. Of yeah, my name is Joe C. I'm whatever tall with a temple. You know, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's uh, 
I'm just sitting here wasting time, smoking, drinking, thinking about rhyme. No, that's not how it goes, but you yeah. know what I mean. Even, you know, even right, Garth Brooks, right. even Garth Brooks, low places. We can all say that. Yeah, that's yeah, right, no, right. Brooks, I enjoy some Garth Brooks. I, I yeah. Can, but okay, we're getting too nice now. Anyway. Now we're getting. I right. thought this was going yeah, to be our. Pit, yeah, yeah. We're, I thought this was going to be our pitchfork esque show. They would never apologize oh. <laughs> for liking all summer long, right. even though you know they probably do at the Christmas party. Though I do recommend reading the Saint Anger Pitchfork review if you want some comedy. They rated it a 0.8, so <laughs> one of the lowest ratings out of 10. That's out of 10, mind you. So wow. It's a fun fun read. Wow. Uh, so uh, moving on, news of the week. Really, the, the only news of the week in my mind is Lollapalooza taking place again and really proving again that it continues to – I mean, not that this is a headline story, but – it's a, it, one of the best festivals, obviously, in in the U.S., but also one of the most important. It's interesting. I, I We've had talked about a lot about, like, what's number one, and, and you know, I think Bonnaroo, Coachella, and Lala are in their own, uh, their own league. But every time Lala comes around, you start to think of the history of it, and it's really incredible, and, and what they've built, obviously, with it now being a destination festival in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So. And, of course, the big news there with with Rihanna coming out and playing with Eminem. That was pretty cool. Todd, you sent me that clip, man. Oh, that was, yeah. That was really cool. So, yeah, that was great because yeah. they did the two, their two big songs, Love the Way You Lie and Monster. And yeah. then also she did the part on Stan that, yes. that Dido did originally. And you know, very, very cool. And you know Dido's what? like, my God. I, he, she's like, I could have had one gig in Chicago, and he can't <laughs> even call me. You know? Yeah, right. poor Dido. And, and Rihanna takes it. Unfortunately, nobody knew that Dido's uh, album White Flag would be aptly named because it was the white flag for her career. So, uh, <laughs> well, you know, hey. Uh, so, yeah, Lollapalooza. And this day, by the way, Red Bull and, and Lala did a great job with the live stream this year. Uh, so I thought that was that was really cool. And uh, I had a I had a like shit got real moment for me this week, which I wanted to tell you guys when I, I started up the car and I started blasting some Rage, Gorilla Radio. And as you guys know, Fleischer 2.0 is coming pretty soon. So in the back seat, there's the car seat. And it was this weird, like, shit got real. Like, here I am blasting, <laughs> like, blasting Gorilla Radio. And I stare and I see the, the, the car seat in the back seat. So it was kind of a strange moment. Harrison, I'm sure oh. you've lived through those. And I'm telling you, Scott, yeah. don't stop doing what you're doing. It is your job to, you know, be the, your musical Sherpa for your child. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Penny, Penny sits in the back of the car and I listen to the music I always listen to. And she she loves it. She says one of her favorite things is listening to music with daddy in the car. So don't cool, man. You know, hold on to that, right. man. Don't, don't, you know, well you done. Do, well everyone done, else man. is going to do the lullabies and all that crap. Your job is to give them a musical education. So don't <laughs> That's stop. right. That's right. right. I well, like I, I uh, hopefully we give people a musical education every week on this show or every time we do the show, obviously. Yeah, this- Despite yes. all my efforts, Penny sings uh, Let It Go from Frozen 10 times a day. Uh, so I've, I've done nothing. See, I, I think, you know? yeah, that's like a tidal wave. I don't think you can fight yeah, that. Yeah, you can't yeah, stop can. that. I all can. you can do, you need to make a, you need to work, show her how to do a remix of it. That's all. You got to show her. <laughs> yeah, you got to get her to collaborate with Avicii and, and create a remix of Let It Go. Uh, nice. I don't think there's anything you can do about Let It Go. So, so what do you guys been checking out, listening to this week? Uh, Harrison, go ahead. Uh, I listened to Tom Petty's new album, Hypnotic Eye. Um, I'm going to give it a fair to middling. Uh, I thought it was kind of, it kind of like really a really old guy recording an album, uh, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys listened to it, but it's, I mean, there's just I, nothing, nothing super special about it. I listened I, I to have, it twice. I did listen to sure. it, and I, you know, I haven't listened to it enough to form mm-hmm. much of an opinion. I liked, there were some things I definitely liked on it. I, I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, not I, the, the album as a whole wasn't like, oh. There's amazing, nothing that but... stood out. It, it just seemed like a lot of, like, blues riffs yeah. and just a lot of just kind of recording an album. There's no, There were no good, like, guitar parts. 
the, the lyricism wasn't quite what I expected from Tom Petty, but you know, it's like I like, I like you know the what? song "Fault Lines" a lot. It's the second Fault, track. I really like. Yeah, Fault, that, I mean yeah. that's a standout. I think out of it. Yeah, "Fault Lines" and uh, "You Get Me High." I think are the two. You know, are the two the two best yeah. tracks in my mind. Uh, it's mm-hmm. you know what it does. It does its job. Basically, he goes out on tour. He's probably bored as hell of playing Running Down a Dream into Learning to Fly into Free Falling. And now, and not, not saying that he looks bored because the show is still amazing. And I think all of us have seen it in recent years. And, and he's back out on tour this summer. And you know what? Now he has the opportunity to play two new tracks and everybody's not going to leave. And that's something that's that's rare with a yeah. an artist of that caliber. Uh, because literally, they the, the songs are still good enough that you'll still kind of stand. And they're short enough <laughs> that you'll still stand mm-hmm. there and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go through this. So I think that's, I think it reached that goal. I don't know. That's not okay. a very lofty goal, right? But, you know, yeah. yeah. No, I, th- I thought it was, it was I don't know. I, as like my first, you, I think I only listened to it once, but I would definitely, yeah. I want to listen to it again. Would I, you, I if you went to go see him, would you, you wouldn't leave when he's like, I'm going to play something off the new album. You wouldn't go get a beer. You'd probably sit there, you know, whereas with other well, artists. It depends, yeah. how much I have to, it depends if I have to go to the bathroom. It depends yeah. on some various it's, factors, yeah. how empty my beer is currently. You know, you always have to weigh multiple factors, you know. Yeah. I'm not gonna deny when yeah. we saw Pearl Jam. I'm pretty sure right. I took a leak because... during Sirens, even though it's not a bad. Oh, song, I did. Yeah. I was like, there's I don't other like stuff that I. That I think I don't we both missed. pinged out during Sirens. I, think I, did. I, yeah, I, 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 t- yeah, I took. And a... I think I did in L.A. too. Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, I took a piss <laughs> break during, si- during Sirens. I'm not, yeah, I don't think so. No, you, you do have to wait. You're right, because you're like, I don't want to miss Free Falling. So if I go get a beer now, I guess. Um, Right. Anyway, and then they started playing State of Love and Trust, and I ran back in, and yeah. I was like, "All right, I got this." Most of that. You know, that's what you don't want to miss. Isn't it awesome that that shit never gets old, even as people in their mid thirties? Like you, that run that you're you're out at a show, and you're out in the bathroom or getting a beer, and then you hear the first chord to one of those songs, and you just run up the stairs to get back into your your seat in the arena. Oh yeah, uh, or, or I heard State or, of Love and Trust, those opening yeah. chords. I was like, "Shit, I'm getting out there." Or you're at the festival, and and you hear from afar one of the hits, and then you're like, "All right, you have to weave through the entire." crowd to get up to near the front of the stage yeah anyway uh cool and then i saw you well harrison you had first aid kit too on your list i i like them first aid kit i thought i i I thought todd would really like it given his uh professional for female for female folk duos Um, (laughs) they're they're really kind of interesting they're they're uh, swedish sisters in their young 20s who do basically american country folk rock or American country folk, I guess. Not even the rock side. The album's really good, um, and it's worth a listen. It's their new one called Stay Gold. I don't know if there's a hit off of it yet, but um, it's definitely yeah. worth checking out. No, I, I, I like them a lot. I actually was sorry to miss them when they came through town. They're touring right now. But, no, that's that's good. I, I From what I read about them, they started uh, learning to play by listening to Fleet Foxes and covering them, which I mm-hmm. think is funny because that's a fairly current act, but they're pretty young. Yeah, I, I guess they're, they're, the big song off the album right now is called My Silver Lining, if you want to check that out, or yeah. also the, the title track, Stay Gold, are both really good. So Nice. Cool. Good stuff. Well, I'm going to join Scott today with a movie review, so it's our Siskel and Ebert portion, or Fleischer <laughs> and Gelfeld portion of the show. <laughs> um, but I had, actually, I was going to touch on two movies. Mostly, I wanted to talk, partly I saw Begin Again, which I know Scott kind of reviewed briefly. And, uh, and I also saw Wish I Was Here. And I don't see a lot of movies in theaters, so I was excited about both these for different reasons. But uh, Begin Again, I liked it. It was, um, you know, there aren't that many music movies. I feel like there should be more. I, I, I would like it if there were more. But uh, 
but I thought there were some some nice moments in it. What's overall, what's it about? Let's begin again. Oh, uh, okay. It's so it's Mark Ruffalo. Kira Knightley is this singer songwriter. She's British, of course. It's in New York. The movie is very, uh, very New York movie because they do. They, she he basically discovers her at a bar and helps her record an album at various places outside all over New York. Okay. These iconic places like in Central Park and like all, in Empire State Building. So it's kind of cool. And Mark Ruffalo is this like washed up record exec. And so it's an interesting story about the music business. Also, Adam Levine makes his acting debut and basically plays himself, like the douchey ex-boyfriend <laughs> uh, nice. who goes on to pop stardom. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I think it could have been better. I thought it was a little too like hard to believe in a lot of areas. Gotcha. Um, Wait, let's. But did but, you like the music? Oh, the the original music. Yeah, and that um, was my problem with it. I thought the music sucked. Yeah. See, I didn't it think maybe, harsh. again, I think you had lowered the bar. I, I yeah. thought the music was okay. Yeah. I didn't think it was great. I wasn't like, I didn't leave and think, thinking, oh my gosh, I gotta, that's great I, stuff. I, I thought it was, I thought it was good for the movie because, I mean, I didn't expect that it was going to be some magical But musical. it sounded, it didn't sound, what, what was, what was frustrating about it is that we, we, there's so much great singer, songwriter, and folk music that comes out now, and we listen to a lot of it, and yeah. this was shit. Like, this isn't stuff that I would listen to, and there's a reason. It's because it wasn't written by, uh, a, a person who's hey they, you know they didn't bring in Ryan Adams to write this uh, the music right. it was written by the guy who's the who was the new, new radicals, new radicals. Right? yeah and Greg it all Alexander. sounds like new radicals and there's a reason why the new radicals haven't had a hit since uh, that time that we talk about 1990 it was somewhat catchy but yeah. also forgettable music which is fine I think for that that wasn't really my issue okay. I guess. My yeah. issue was more plot-driven, yeah. but but I thought it was good. Anyway, I, I think it's worth seeing for music fans, but it's not like it's not going to make your list of best no you know music movies ever, which I think we'll get to at some point on the show. Um, but anyway, the other thing I was going to mention was "Wish I Was Here," which is not uh, a music movie per se, but I think you know for people of our generation, uh, Zach Braff clearly with Garden State made a huge wave with, and we talked on our soundtrack episode about Garden State because it was one of our top soundtracks. So. You know, I was really excited about this movie for various reasons because I, I like Zach Braff's work too. Anyway, I thought it, the the critics uh, were were unfairly harsh because I think at Rotten Tomatoes it's like twenty percent. It's pretty bad. I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. And again, maybe it's a case of low expectations benefiting from that. But but I thought it was really well done. Is it and, uh, is it is it a, is it a direct what? sequel to Garden State? It's or? it's what he called a quasi sequel. It's not a direct. It's not the same character. It's okay. not, so it's not a sequel, but it is a sequel in the sense that it's Garden State, you know, it's the next stage of life, basically. Yeah, yeah, And from yeah. Garden State being this single guy dealing with grief, and this is more a, you know, married guy with kids also dealing with major life event and loss. And, uh, you and know, so would you put, last, would you put last Kiss in there as, as part of a trilogy, maybe? I wouldn't because I, I didn't like Last Kiss. I like the other two a lot better. But Gotcha, okay. Uh, no, you could, you could. And actually, Zach Braff didn't write a, or direct Last Kiss, so he doesn't mm-hmm. include it in there. But, but uh, I mean, thematically, it falls in with that. Oh, no, it, it does. It does. It's, it's people. It, last Kiss was, you know, people starting to have kids, dealing with, you know, with that because obviously he's well, having also, a kid and his yeah, the, are... well, also like the whole kind of put up or shut up of relationships at that point in your life and you know how how yeah. you navigate that you know that's tough. No, you could you could definitely quote Last Kiss in, in the middle there. I just thought Last Kiss was uh was you know all those movies are dark to a certain degree, but I think yeah. with with uh, Garden State and with Wish I Was Here, they're they're balanced by some nice humor 
and sensitivity, okay. which you I think you need to have, and Zach Braff seems to have a good touch for that, the lightness. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Last Kiss didn't have that. It was just this downer, like very. I walked out of. The, I remember walking out of the theater when I saw it, and even I watched it a few weeks ago before I saw I Wish I Was Here, and I was still like, you know what? It just didn't have that balance. It was like, okay, it's a downer, but it's just a downer and not entertaining enough. I think I remember your review to me was, "Do not go on a date." And oh yeah, movie. definitely not a date movie. <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, Wish I Was Here, probably also not a date movie, but it has that lightness a little mm-hmm. bit, or that the humor that. You know, I wouldn't say the same thing about it as Last Kiss. So anyway, that's my movie review for the week. Scott? Very good. Yeah, I'll go with a movie review in this segment, too. I saw Get On Up this weekend, and uh, good but not great. Certainly something that a music fan should see. You know, it's a story that had to be told. I think that the, the first thing that you check off your list when you go see a music biopic is uh, did did the did the movie convey the importance of this artist and was this artist deserving of this? And without a question, uh, you you definitely understand the influence of James Brown and why he was a pioneer in in what he did. So that it did do, uh, but from a from a movie aspect, it's just there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff missing from it. I think it's kind of trapped in between this sec. This place where it's not sure if it wanted to go with an R rating and be a little bit more truthful to the character, or go full on <laughs> no no or go full on PG. It's in the middle. It's I think it's a PG thirteen. So it's kind of I think it middle. is PG thirteen. So it's like in the middle. So it's got you know it doesn't it it it, it, it you I feel like it, basically they they brought like a few bad things in about him and you you could have just left those out and just made it kind of cheery and rosy and it would have been just fine um, or you could have gone with the real the real meaty version and talked about everything in his life yeah it's Chadwick Boseman's great the, the his 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 portrayal of James Brown is incredible the dancing is incredible uh, it's it's lip singing you know he's he's not re-recording the tracks and so that that is what it is I think it it almost seems like it would have been better suited for the for a play I don't know if it was a play at some point um, but it almost seems like it would have been better suited as a, as a musical. I'm sure. I'm sure it will be a play at some point. Yeah, Probably. Yeah, the way yeah, musical yeah. theater has gone these days. Yeah, that's, that's a whole right. other that's show. Right. That's true. Box musical potential. Yeah, we should yeah. do that. We yeah. should do that show. So I'm, I yeah. can't wait to see Rocky the Musical when it tours. So yeah, yeah. that's a thing. I'm not making it up. Really, I really oh. wish I was. <laughs> No, so I, I, now. I, Scott, I'm intrigued enough yeah. by your review that I still want to see it. Yeah, it yeah. I heard that the musical performances are actually the highlight of the movie. I guess the narrative, not so much. They, they so, yeah. so they are, but they're the problem is they're too long. There's too many because oh, yeah. these songs are all songs you know. So you get to a point where you're like, okay, yeah, I, I know this song. You know, I, I don't need to see two or three minutes of it, a minute of it would be fine. Okay. And the other piece of it is he's, he's lip syncing. So yeah, the dancing is, is, is admirable and he's pulling off these James Brown moves, which are awesome, but he's not singing it. So I don't need to see, you know, uh, a minute of it. And my recap, my recap is so you think you can dance is for another podcast. So uh, <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's So yeah, so get on up. Good, not great. So, that's uh, that's where I'll, I'll leave that. And guys, we've completed episode twenty. Congratulations! Woo! This is a milestone. Right. Very Number proud. 20, yeah. yeah, very proud this of where we've gotten. So, uh, we definitely thank the support of our loyal listeners and loyal fans, and we look forward to doing another twenty and then another two hundred of them, hopefully. And it's been it's been really fun, you guys, doing twenty of them. And we'll we'll. Uh, don't worry if your podcast feed doesn't update for the next few weeks. Take a little hiatus, but we'll, we're not one of these podcasts that's going to pop up every now and then. We'll take a little hiatus. We'll be back in September, and we're going to do this again. So it's been fun, you guys. 
That's awesome. right. Yeah. Thanks, Scott. You got it, man. Plan plan us out since this is what we do. It's it's uh, me. It's all of us. We're friends. And I figured that the fitting song to end. And we talked Lollapalooza, and this was a band that was instrumental uh, in the early days of Lollapalooza as as one of the headliners. And then, of course, has played Lollapalooza since. And since it's three friends sitting around talking about music, Chili Peppers, me and my friends. Yeah.